0: The world will always challenge you. In this podcast, Eckhart talks about the importance of remaining what he calls teachable. He cautions us to be aware of the stories, the concepts, and labels we use to interpret the world. He encourages us to ask ourselves when we meet someone new, do we give ourselves space to just be, to perceive, or do we instantly judge and manufacture stories about this person? He ponders when we travel, do we experience awe, or do we compare it to other places we've been? He points out that when we never experience anything new, the sense of aliveness is gone from our lives. Eckhart says, we must ask ourselves, who are we without the old narrative, the mental and emotional conditioning, which is the result of our self-centered thinking? He points out the world will always challenge us. He says it's not here to make us happy. It is here to help us awaken.
1: It's two o'clock in Europe and Australia. It's already tomorrow. (laughs)
0: Uh,
1: It might be interesting to check in inside yourself, right as we are sitting here, as you are sitting here. Are you thinking all the time as you sit here? Or are there spaces? when you're not thinking and just an awareness. And by saying you're in spaces when you're not thinking, I do not mean drifting off towards sleep after it's perhaps too heavy a meal. So I'm not referring to, okay, I'm not thinking because I'm too tired to think. Yes, you have become free of thinking, but you're moving towards unconsciousness. But are you able to simply be alert? And are there spaces where you're not, you don't have to think, just be the awareness for whatever is being perceived in your consciousness? It does not require effort but it requires alertness. There was a Zen teacher who summarized the teaching of Zen in one word. He called it attention, and he'd raise his finger. Can you explain Zen, please? They asked. Attention. And in many humans the that's spacious awareness does occur briefly throughout their day, but they are not it's so brief that they they don't know that it's happening. Every time you look at something, something new comes into your field of vision or you or you hear something new, sound. For the first few moments there's just the pure perception against the background of awareness. And then the mind comes in or there's a sound. Before the mind interprets it, there's a space of perhaps two seconds or three when there's the pure awareness and the sense perception. Or when you meet another person here for the first time, you look at them, or they, maybe they say something, or they don't, and you look at them. And you, if you're alert for the first moment, or a few moments, I don't know what, what is a moment, you're simply perceiving that human being. And then the mind comes in. Or you're observing another human being. They're sitting at another table and you're looking. Is there a space where you're just, there's just a pure perception against the background of awareness? Or how quickly do you interpret, formulate some kind of concept? Be aware of the the voice in your head, the narratives, the stories, the concepts that interprets the world. And be aware that often there are brief moments when that is not happening, and it's usually when something new arises. Traveling can be helpful in that sense because whatever you experience is something new. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, And potentially it can help you to be more awake because every impression is new and unless you carry such heavy conditioning in your mind that you, there's only a fraction of a second when you look at something new and immediately you compare it to what you know and judge it. Oh, that's not, I don't like that, there's too many people here, that's whatever. It's, It's immediately judged so that you never then you never experience anything new because you experience everything through the filter of your conditioned mind. Every situation, everything you see is through that filter. That is the unconscious state, spiritually speaking. Also, there's a reason why Jesus said, to enter the kingdom of heaven you have to become like a little child. And he refers, of course, to the absence of concepts because a little child who hasn't learned the language yet is in that state of openness. Even a dog is in that state of openness, unless it desperately wants something, which is usually food. In that state of no self-concept, and doesn't impose a concept on you either because it has no self-concept, no self, the dog has no self in spiritual terms. The dog is itself, herself, himself, whatever. The dog is itself. Doesn't carry the burden of a conceptual identity. Every human carries the burden of a conceptual identity. So the, the dog is, has no ego, or the cat, although I have observed in uh, rare instances the beginnings of ego in certain dogs and cats, just little beginnings, of because they've lived for humans with humans for too long, so it rubs off on the dog and then, and then suddenly they have a bit of resentment But that freedom of living without the burden of a self-concept is amazing. It allows for a huge amount of joy in your life and a sense of aliveness without the self, as the Buddha would call it, no self. So the dog is uh, free of inferiority complex or superiority complex, free of negative body image. (laughs) Even the ugliest dog is okay with it. (laughs) Uh, And even an overweight dog doesn't have a problem with weight. (laughs) So there's not that image self in the mind that you then split yourself in two. You live with an image of yourself and you live through that image of yourself. And that is, that image consists of stories and um, narratives and uh, it's your life. It, it, humans call it my life. And uh, of course, that is, there's always, that is always there, but is that all there is? Or is there more to you than meets the eye? And of course there is infinitely more than meets the eye. You just have to discover it, not achieve it, because if we say you need to achieve this transcendent state or you need to achieve the realisation of being, that would imply that you're not there yet and you need time to get there. But time doesn't get you there because time is the obstacle to that realization. Time is needed, of course, in this world, which is the horizontal plane of existence. Time is everywhere. Everything functions through time. You can't have an appointment without time. We couldn't have come together here without using time to say, on such and such a date, at such and such a time, we're all going to be here. And it worked, we're here. (laughs) Now, if you confuse that horizontal round with a transcendent round, then you might say, let's not be the slaves of time, just trust that one day we'll all come together here. (laughs) in the present moment, because that's all there is. (laughs) And uh, the universe will arrange it. And perhaps if we lived indefinitely, then perhaps after uh, one billion years, we all accidentally come together here. But that's unlikely, so. Time is here on this plane, cannot be denied, it's everywhere. It gives you a lot, it offers you a lot of possibilities of growth and attainment and and so on. Every doing requires time, every achieving requires time, and it has its place on this horizontal plane, of course. And of course, eventually, the time kills you, so, okay. It gives you everything, and then it takes everything away on this horizontal plane. As a pessimist once said, life is a sexually transmitted disease with always a fatal outcome. seems uh, <laughs> can't be denied. <laughs> and then there is another dimension that is accessible. In human consciousness, there's a potential of realizing the vertical dimension as opposed to the horizontal dimension and the vertical dimension. You enter it as you become present. And as you become present, the stream of thinking subsides, is replaced with a space of awareness. Awareness arises. And so you exist as a temporal being Yes, you have a certain age on the horizontal plane, but when I ask you who are you or what are you, on the horizontal plane, you will often, when you reply, you will refer to perhaps first thing, you might refer to your gender, and then you refer perhaps to your age, and then you might refer to other things, race or work you do, or your position in society, or whatever it may be, all these things exist on the horizontal plane. But one of the first things on the horizontal plane is you think you have a certain age. And that, of course, is true as far as the body is concerned. And then when I ask you, who or what are you, without reference to any thought, what does it feel like to be you without reference to a narrative in your mind that you call my life? So for example, in this moment, you don't need to remember anything about your life, but when you don't remember anything about your life, are you still there? And what does that mean? I am still there without reference to a narrative. What is that I am that's still there that doesn't seem to have any content anymore? Without the narrative there's an I am without content. This is why it's so hard to describe it or to talk about it. What is left is a presence. That's all you can say about it. It's an absence of thought but there's a presence there can't define it, and there, you have no age. It doesn't matter whether you're 20 years old or 100. There's a a presence, a beingness, a being. One could say, you know that you exist. Well, exist is the wrong word. You know that you are in that realization or in the vertical dimension. You know that you are, but that's all you know and all you need to know not nothing needs to be or should be added to it. the being as itself in ancient Greece, the temple of Apollo at Delphi had inscriptions, there's enormous wisdom arising in ancient Greece. One of the inscriptions was, it goes back to Socrates or Pythagoras, know yourself, know thyself, inscribed. And then on another side of the temple there was a strange inscription, you are. And people didn't know later on when they looked at it, hundreds of years later, thousands thousand years later, what does that mean? Maybe there's something missing and let's look more closely, you are. Maybe it got eroded by time, there must be something else. But they couldn't find anything else. <laughs> and a few people later realized the deeper meaning of it and they actually go together with know thyself and you are, go together. Know thyself does not refer to the personality it does not refer to knowing the story of you in great detail, exploring perhaps hidden things that you hadn't known about yourself. There's a place for that too, but that's not is meant by know, the ancient know thyself. It's not the self that you get to know th- through going through psychoanalysis for ten years, because you okay let's because there's always new layers of memories, it, um, oh, I hadn't realized that, uh, that, that's so interesting, my life is becoming so complex and interesting, the longer I have psychoanalysis, the more interesting it gets. Um, uh, uh, it, that has its place, it's fine, it's interesting, it's uh, like a movie that's an interesting movie. And people uh, like to see movies that are not only interesting, but interesting must mean so things must there must be things that that go wrong in the movie; otherwise, it's not interesting. And in the movie of your life, you're, there also there must be things that go wrong, and they do all the time; uh, otherwise, it's not interesting. So, know thyself doesn't refer to all the details of your life, hidden motivations, all those things, repressed desires. Uh, uh, know thyself doesn't refer to that. It's a different, a, a different knowing and a different self. A different knowing and a different self. The knowing, the verb to know here, is no, not used with reference to conceptual knowing, analytical knowing, knowing through thought structures, thoughts, words concepts. There is a deeper knowing that is non-conceptual and there is a deeper self than the conceptual entity that is the egoic entity. The self that the Buddha described as an illusion that is the conceptual entity. There is a deeper self that in Buddhism is described as the no-self, and in Hindu teachings is described as the transcendent self, the Atman. So the inscription on the temple of Delphi refers to that, that first of all, the knowing is not the conceptual knowing. There is another way of knowing, and there is another self other than the self that, that you are familiar with that you call your life. Me and my life. So that's important to know. And the key is given in these two words, you are, that is the key to knowing yourself. And you you are is the realization of being, which is the transcendent self. And that knowing is very different from conceptual knowing. And this is a very important point, especially in our contemporary civilization, which is all over the globe now. We only know conceptual knowing. We disregard or completely forget. There's another way of relating to the world, being in the world, than the conceptual one. And that all refers to yourself also, but it also refers to the ways in which you experience the world. When you experience something new, let lets you travel a completely different environment from the one that you live in. For some of you that may be here, this is very different from uh, where you live if you live in. Canada or Iceland or anywhere in England, we visit many foreign places and sometimes a few days before or after an event we explore a little bit, we are trans- transformed into tourists. And if you have a guide, sometimes you have had guides to show us a city or to show us or may- maybe a very unusual... Area, the na- nature reserve, or something like that. And what I notice is, the guides, because that's their job, they never stop talking. <laughs> <It's> Go <gone> insane. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't say anything because they're so nice and they're so knowledgeable. It's rude to say can you please stop talking I want to experience the I want to experience this place without concepts I want to really know it deeply I can have concepts too but that's not the main way in which I want to experience this wonderful place So I don't remember where we were not that long ago it was some kind of tropical place somewhere <laughs> and there was a a guide a lovely young woman very knowledgeable and we were walking through this forest with a group of people we were maybe 12 people or so they were following her and she st- talked continuously, because it's everything. So this tree and this little thing and that, uh, how it originates, how it interacts with other things in the forest. and So knowledgeable, you learn so much in this. There is a place for that. But I don't want to be confined to that way of knowing the forest. There is another way of knowing the forest. So what I did, is, uh, I stayed behind. And then there was, the group was always far ahead of me. And I could hear her talking in the distance, but I couldn't understand anymore what she was saying. And I was actually able to experience the forest in a different way. I admit I missed quite a lot of what I could have learned by listening to her. Probably would have forgotten 90% of it afterwards. (laughs) But at the time it would have been so... And, and everybody else was so interested in asking questions. Oh yeah. But are they really there? Or are they in their conceptual mind? And the, well, the, the actual experience of the force is a peripheral event. Mainly they are in the conceptual structures of their mind. Huh. So that's how I avoided Uh, being uh, trapped in that by staying behind and I don't know whether our guide noticed it, she didn't say anything, she looked at me a couple of times (laughs) and wondering why is this guy staying behind, doesn't he want to learn things? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not against learning because uh, there are the two dimensions, admittedly you you can learn many very interesting things about the forest But there is the other also. You cannot have just the one that that confines you to a very limited way of experiencing reality that reduces everything to concepts which are dead. So can you really sense the aliveness of the forest? Can you sense the the sacredness of the forest by by only applying concepts to the forest? No, you cannot sense that when you are trapped in concepts. There's no space for the the deeper experiencing of the forest. There's no space for it. So I'm not advocating letting go of all knowledge, but finding a balance between one way of knowing and the other way of knowing things. Our civilization has lost the balance. It's trapped in one way of knowing only, and the, the deeper way of knowing which is associated with the vertical dimension and is associated with the present moment, and associated with the absence of thought but the acute awareness in the present moment, that nobody in mainstream culture teaches you that or talks about it or even knows about it. They (laughs) They don't know about it. And again, know thyself applies here also. You can know yourself as a conceptual entity, which is your, your, sometimes I call it your form identity. Your form is the physical form and the psychological form of you, the personality. The body and the personality is your form identity. Everybody has one and it lasts for a little while until it gets killed by this horrible criminal we call time. So everybody everybody has one, but do you need to be one or have is it was to was to have it? You have it but you are not it. Essentially you are not it. What you are, the being, is realize, not through concepts, it is much deeper than concepts. There is a knowing that is non-conceptual. And that is a higher intelligence than conceptual intelligence. One could say conceptual intelligence is like the reflected light, like the moon reflects the light of the sun. In that same sense, the the conceptual intelligence, yes, it is also consciousness. It is not separate from consciousness. Perhaps a better analogy is my favorite analogy for that is to say that you can know, compare to this conceptual consciousness is ripples on the surface of the ocean, waves and ripples on the surface of the ocean. And if you are a ripple on the surface of the ocean, the question is do do you know yourself only as a ripple or do you realize that you're not yes you are a ripple but you you're also and more fundamentally a manifestation of the ocean itself <laughs> so you're both the ripple existence is fairly short-lived but what happens when the ripple realizes that it is not just the ripple, it is the, the also in more important, more essentially, the ocean. Now that would make a lot of difference to the life of the ripple because if the ripple only sees itself as the ripple on the surface, the horizontal dimension, all it knows is other ripples and, and it looks around associating itself with other ripples. Let's get together. Uh, <laughs> Maybe if we do, if two of us get together, we can become a bigger ripple uh, okay, uh, and then there are others that don 't look they 're a bit threatening they say stay away from me i don 't want you uh, i don 't like the way you look uh, uh, and then there's a there 's a little wave, not a ripple there's a comes who, who is that guy uh, uh, well, that, uh, uh, his name is Bezos Ripple. <laughs> uh, 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 <laughs> well, that's a, that's a big ripple. It's a wave. Uh, 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 but eventually its fate is the same as all the other ripples. Uh, this horizontal dimension, it ends up where all the ripples end up. So if you are trapped on the horizontal, then the world, you, you're always looking for something that the surface dimension cannot ultimately give you a deeper sense of who you are, a sense of having arrived, a sense of being at home in the where you are, a sense of connectedness, freedom from fear and anxiety, that the, the horizontal dimension cannot give you that. And so, perhaps then the ripple suddenly realizes when it stops looking around the horizontal for some kind of fulfillment. For a moment it goes, hmm, oh. There's a stillness there and there's a, there's a sense of aliveness, what is that? No answer, I don't know. Hmm. And it feels it's connectedness to something very deep, oh. but it can't interpret it. And suddenly it's, a, wow, I'm, I'm actually being carried by this vast thing and not, am I, no, not only am I being mm-hmm. carried by it, uh, essentially I am it. And suddenly there's a sense of connectedness to something deep. Which the ripple cannot interpret and doesn't need to interpret. And if the ripple stays connected with that, the way in which it experiences the rest of its life on the surface changes also. It becomes more much more enjoyable, more pleasant because it's not looking on the horizontal dimension for something that the horizontal dimension cannot give it in relationships in acquisitions in attainments it 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 can have these things and enjoy these things but not expecting or demanding some ultimate satisfaction and all or, or the absence of things going wrong it's on the horizontal dimension and so when there's a state of connectedness no obviously you have realized by now that you are the ripple that I'm talking about. (laughs) It can even enjoy relationships, which before were always a source of um, conflict and problems, problematic at best, and a source of horrible suffering at worst. And even that can be enjoyed, because you're no longer looking for others to, let's put it simply, make you happy. You're not looking for a human to make you happy, or a situation to make you happy, or some kind of acquisition or attainment to make you happy and complete. You enjoy the relationship, you enjoy the attainment, you enjoy whatever it is that you get on this level. But you can only really enjoy it because you're not dependent on it for a sense of your deep, your real sense of identity of beingness. You're, you're, you no longer derive your sense of identity, your sense of self, from the things that make up your life on this level. You can enjoy them, you, st- you play around with things, you, you can even strive towards attaining this or that without expecting something from these things that you can play around with and that expecting something that they cannot give you. Then the life that you lead on this horizontal level becomes actually quite enjoyable because you'll have let go of the demand that you have placed before on people and situations to make you happy and fulfilled. And then you get angry or upset or irritated when they don't because they can't. And so whatever situation you go into, if in the absence of the deeper the vertical dimension, it's fr- life is frustrating. Every relationship turns out to be, well, it wasn't that great. I thought it would be wonderful. That's the the key to in having a life that is enjoyable, is to drop your demands that you have, before you had placed upon people and situations. Make me happy. Tell me who I am. Complete me. It can't be, that, that is realized in the vertical dimension of now. You don't need time for that. Time becomes the obstacle. So as I've said before, an important realization is the world is not here to make you happy. Because as long as you believe, that the world is here to make you happy, you're not going to be happy because the world can't do it. <laughs> You've placed an impossible demand upon the world. Make me happy, fulfill me. And you, then you have resentment. When this is an underlying assumption that it should make me happy, then there's always continuous resentment, which is they're all forms of suffering. But when you realize the world cannot make you happy, it's not here to make you happy, it has another purpose. What is its purpose? It's here to make you conscious. It's here to awaken you. It's here to awaken you to that deeper dimension, which we call the vertical dimension, which is the awakening of consciousness, the transcendence of ego. And the world is here to challenge you so that you awaken. If the world did not challenge you and it does it all the time, you might have noticed, you can't get away from it. Even though it's a wonderful thing to practice positive thinking, it works to some extent very well. You can change your life through change your attitude, your thinking. But even then, the world will still challenge you. No matter how much positive thinking you do, and you can achieve things through all the manifestation, but the world will still challenge you. You will move every situation. There will be a polarity. You achieve something great, but, but there's a downside to it always. There's always the other
0: polarity. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Eckhart Tolle, Essential Teachings, the podcast. You can follow these essential teachings on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, go to Spotify and follow this podcast. Join us next week for more enlightened teachings from Eckhart Tolle. Thank you for listening.